This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, why are MLM's multi-level marketing schemes so appealing and yet so very dangerous? Pyramid scheme expert and author Robert Fitzpatrick helps us understand how pyramid schemes trap people into an endless cycle of losing money despite the promise of all sorts of riches while taking full advantage of fear and shame. The Ponzi scheme, closely related, not quite the same. We talk about them all, the MLM's, the pyramid schemes, the Ponzi schemes here on the shift daily podcast how can you spot one that's also very important too how can you avoid them plus are you okay with taxes what about having a bad day you gotta have bad days to have good days it's on the shift daily podcast this is the shift podcast are you okay with I don't know why I read this wrong, but I totally read this wrong. I was like, are you okay with online pharmacies? I'm like, wow, it's cheap Viagra, <laughs> according to my email. This is because you get all these oh. scammer emails all the time, right? Yeah, yeah. In the spam folder. Are you okay with online privacy? Which oh, you'd hope is better than that. Uh, I've kind of given up. I, I'm, I'm not open. I'm not super open about all the data online. Like I keep a lot, you know, off the internet, but simple stuff like, you know, I get the pop-ups all the time being like your IP address is visible. I, yeah, I know you're, this is the available. Yeah, I know like this. I'm comfortable with what is online, you know, and there's not a lot like hidden. So I just, I just know that the privacy is not a hundred percent safe. And there's a well, 30 day cookie. I, I feel like, yeah, see, clearing the cookies, like stuff like that, clearing your yeah. history often, doing those little so things. So for 30 helps, days, but, yeah. someone can, someone, you go to a website, you click on a link, and like the top five new air fryers are, and you click the first link, and that person who made that article, who gets that link money, they make that. If you ever go back to Bed Bath & Beyond or whatever the store is, Walmart or Best Buy, for the next 30 days, like it's tracking you for that long. They know where you go. It's crazy. BK, what about you? I feel like you wear a tinfoil hat when you surf the internet. Yeah, sure, I really do. Um, no, I, much like in real life, I'm elusive on the internet world, especially these days. <laughs> um, however, I do find it annoying how these devices listen. Um, like... Stuff we discuss here, particularly, I find in Are You Okay? It's kind of funny. Just immediately shows up on my phone after the show and advertisements. And I'm just like, Mm -hmm. huh, stop listening. Thanks for listening to The Shift, but stop listening to me. So I have a um, I have a new online store that we've expanded, and and one of the things that we're doing uh, with the store is are we rebuilding our packaging? All of our packaging is going to be recyclable or recycled uh, for that one. And so I've been looking for tape for the boxes that wasn't plastic and they make this tape packaging tape that you can get and you kind of it's kind of like an old school stamp you have to wet it but it's made of paper and you can just recycle it it's called craft paper you can just recycle it and it goes in the with the box amazon uses that stuff like that you can get it where um it's all printed and fancy right so it has your logos on it all this stuff all i did was search it on one computer in my house and it is showing up everywhere in every ad for all of these printing companies and Instagram and Facebook and everything. And that's the stuff that's like, okay, like this is beyond too much. You know what really unnerves me a lot of times is I'll see one of those ads and I'll swear. I'll be like, I just thought that. I don't think I said those words out loud or (laughs) searched them. That's where the tinfoil hat comes in. Yeah, it's true. Sometimes, man, they're just, they got the well, microchips, bro. Like, that's what I it think feels it's, like sometimes. Well, ever since I got vaccinated, I got to tell yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> We're kidding. Just so we know. Um, but that being said, maybe it's more prominent because it's like every third ad, every third picture on Instagram is an ad now. Every third, like it's a suggested, um, promoted on Twitter, everything. Every second or third one now. So you, I'm seeing more ads than ever before. It's mind-blowing. Anyway, online privacy, bah. I think we should probably give it up. We're pretty protected when it comes to in comparison to other countries. I mean, there's yeah. not really a lot of recourse, really, right? I mean, I received an email from a Canadian company when legally you're supposed to have an unsubscribe button, 
and there was nothing. There's nothing on there. I don't know how they got my name. It's a Canadian website. Um, I don't know how they got the phone number. I got a text message. I got an email. And then there's no way to unsubscribe from them. So now in China, that's a whole different story. Weibo, China's equivalent of the Twitter, told users on Thursday that it would start to publish their IP locations on their account pages when they post comments in a bid to combat bad behavior online. So that means when you make a post, even if like, hey, look at the pretty cloud, it's going to geolocate you and make that public. Now, that often happens actually if you don't change your settings on your photos in your smartphone. There can be a setting where it geolocates the coordinates of where you took the picture from. So people can find you in a lot of cases anyway. But in this case, this Weibo, the uh, Chinese Twitter style thing, is going to publish your IP address every post, no matter what, cannot be turned off. According to CNN, the effects of the new rules were already visible underneath the notice as thousands of users all carried extra label indicating the province or municipality of the user's IP address. The move posted on Weibo's official account garnered over 200 million views and was widely discussed with some users rattled by the perceived reduction of their online anonymity. Others, however, said they were supportive of the measures in light of COVID-related misinformation. That's where it would come in handy. If you're going to go out there and you're going to say, by the way, uh, you're going to be the guy who says, you know, inject bleach into your ears and it's going to cure COVID. It doesn't, just so you know. If you were to tweet that, it's going to show that you were on the street corner of whatever and whatever. Now, does that mean someone's going to come find you? Right. And beat you up for it. It's not the la- first time Weibo has made an interesting move. This one happened last year. Drew Weibo was fined $470,000. This is its 45th penalty for the year. Uh, the company's or the country's cyber watchdog summoned Weibo and told the company it needed to stop repeatedly publishing illegal information and punish those responsible. Now, the company said that it accepts sincerely the criticism and will focus on cleaning up soft porn and malicious marketing. It added that it aimed to build a clear and clean cyberspace. So for investors, that's good news because Weibo is using the terms that the Communist Party likes to hear. This was a buzz phrase that the Communist Party had uh, discussed back in September when it announced new rules to develop what it called a civilized Internet. Okay. That's from NBC. So let's look at the benefits of this. We all know the online privacy part of this, but let's put this into context for things that we're going through right now. Imagine this weekend, rolling thunder. You see a tweet. But you can see that that person's actually not at rolling thunder. That person's in Alabama. Or that person's in Vancouver, not in Ottawa. Now, see, I can handle a tweet from somebody who says they're in downtown Ottawa. I don't have to agree with them, but I can handle reading a tweet from somebody who's in downtown Ottawa at Rolling Thunder. Agree or disagree? I can handle that. But if you're not there, right, You this would benefit with troll farms. All of the misinformation that's getting uh, tweeted out from the troll farms in Russia about the war in Ukraine, you would be able to see that it's coming from a different place. Now, VPNs and all kinds of sneaky ways to get around that. But would that change your mind, Ryan? Would that change your mind if things like that went away? If if somebody was um, posting misinformation and trying to be that person, would that be enough for you to give it up? I just... There are not enough consequences for people that actively make the internet a much worse place. I just don't see... Like, this idea of the geolocation... Is I think in it, like I I get what they're coming from. I just don't see how this ends well because sure it might be able to do some good, but I think that the people that are doing bad on the internet because use it just as much as the people who are doing good, and I just think that the overall main issue on the internet is is just uh, this feeling of being completely sheltered. You have zero consequences, and this just doesn't really feel like a a massive consequence. Someone could come up, show up, and beat you up. I mean, we get a little bit of a, a Batman scenario here where you be the bad guy and you might have someone who goes out and they try to be the hero. I mean, what was the, the QAnon stuff about the pizza joint, right? People showed up to try to be a hero in reverse of what this could be. You go post stuff about QAnon or whatever on the Internet with this type of scenario, well, you might have people show up. I mean, it could get violent quick. What if it's mistaken identity? You just happen to be the guy standing by the phone booth. 
It's not good either. It's just your general location, though, right? It's not like your exact location, right? From this. Well, the, yeah, but you, you, it's they can track you pretty close, right? I mean, if you're on an IP, you're going to be inside a bubble of the broadcast range of that IP, and yeah, some routers are the neighborhood, twenty foot radius, the district you're in, too. Yeah, like if you're on a street corner, if you connected at a coffee shop, it would be able to give you a twenty or thirty foot radius of that coffee shop. Pretty I close. People can do that now with our cell phones, anyway. So, isn't that true? Well, they can. If you ever watch Magnum PI, they uh, they did track they, those and triangulate all the time. Did they have cell phones on Magnum PI? The new one. Are you okay with? I want to know if you're okay with this stuff. Are you okay with taxes? Yes, I am very okay with taxes. Well, yeah, love them. We should have more. No, no. <laughs> No, I'm okay with income tax because uh, I don't like the levels of income tax, but if you're paying taxes, you're making money. Now, the amount of taxes that we're paying is questionable, and the fact that we get taxed on even more with our current government, just add another tax. I don't understand why everyone's falling below the poverty line. Okay, let's tax you more. That's what's happening. We've got to pay for that ever-increasing national debt. And they have to pay for the uh, the ever increasing size of government, for example. Oh, that too, yeah. That's uh, that's gone up uh, almost twenty percent or more in the last couple of years. Um, income tax, you know, I mean, it means you're making money. Well, a sheriff is looking for an, a new way, an interesting way to save residents' tax dollars in one of our favorite places in the world, Florida. What does it mean to be from Florida? Florida, straight drill. All right, so there we go. That is the um, that is the first of one in a row. Just saying. Well, we'll go for yeah. the record how many Florida stories we can get in a week. A Milton man was arrested Wednesday after a burglary spree in Pace, Florida. 32-year-old Brandon Harris is accused of breaking into multiple homes and backyards as he ran from Santa Rosa County deputies at about 5 p.m. on Wednesday, April 21st. Just pay attention to uh, to the sheriff's statement near the end of the story. This video released by the sheriff's office shows deputies busting through a bedroom door and Harris jumping out the window. He was taken into custody and charged with several counts of burglary and attempted larceny. Johnson said at least one homeowner shot at Harris as he tried to break into their home. Johnson applauded their efforts. If somebody's breaking in your house, you're more than welcome to shoot them in Santa Rosa County. We prefer that you do, actually. Whoever that was, you're not in trouble. Come see us. We have a gun safety class we put on every other Saturday, and if you take that, you'll shoot a lot better, and hopefully you'll save the taxpayers money. If someone breaks wow. into the house, you're more than welcome to shoot yeah. them. In Ooh, fact, we'll show you how. Florida way right there. I wonder. Wow. Well, well, there are laws in some states where if someone breaks into your house and then hurts your family, you go to jail. They don't. You have to be able to. Yeah, Kenny Wayne Shepard told me that. Strangely enough. Weird. Yeah. He said that in our, he said, uh, we was talking about guns. We were out for a dinner thing and we are talking about guns and he was like, yeah, where I come from, man, if you can't protect your family, someone breaks into my house and kills my girlfriend, um, I go to jail, which is crazy. Yeah. Anyway, um, great way to save taxpayers dollars. I guess it's probably cheaper to uh, clean up the mess than it is to investigate who the burglar was. That guy was from uh, Milton, Florida, not Milton, Ontario, by the way. I feel I should yeah. clarify. Um, the robber's bond on the new charges is set at more than $150,000, and yes, he did not get, uh, he's still alive. He did not get dead. Um, I wonder if uh, all these sheriffs from Florida realize how famous they become on overnight Canadian talk radio. I feel like yeah. we have a different Florida sheriff every night. Yeah, we do. It's it's amazing. Boy, oh boy. Mentality around the world is so different. And it's, you know, we always say that, oh, Canada, just, some people say, oh, Canada, America, da, da, da. We should become more like that. And I look at these stories and I go, oh, I mean, hey, if someone breaks in your house, yeah, hit them with a baseball bat, whatever it takes, get them out. But, um, I mean, they're not coming into your house to say, hey, I brought you coffee, <laughs> right? They're coming in nice. for bad reasons. I but, I mean, I don't know. Dead is dead. <laughs> like it's just it's a one, excuse the pun, shot deal. You know, yeah, they are or you're not, and isn't it's one of those things you can't undo it. You know. Anyway, are you okay with bad days? 
I don't know. Bad days can make you really appreciate yeah. the good days. I love them I as say, much as taxes. Huh. You need a bad day to have a good day. That's kind of yeah. how it goes, right? Yeah. I mean, you don't appreciate the good days until you've had a couple of bad ones, too. Now, we don't like the yeah. bad days, of course, but they're going to happen. We all have bad days. If you're having a bad day right now, we promise you this, ladies, is much, much worse than yours. In fact, her day is, oh, so much worse. Just a slight warning. If you're eating breakfast right now, take a pause and eat a mint real quick or something, okay? Because a woman in Washington State dropped her phone in an outhouse and then went in the uh, outhouse toilet, which is a basically big hole, and she tried to fish it out. She fell in head first. Yes, indeed. And you know them holes are deep in them things? Oh, anyway. just sticking your hand in is bad enough. <laughs> Why would you stick your hand in there? Once in the toilet, though, she was able to find her phone. She called for help from in there, upside down. Oh. And these firemen came to rescue her, and they posted this picture here. Poor firemen, too. <laughs> the woman was not hurt, by the way, but she sure did have a crappy day. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> oh, excellent. Uh, that's from Tampa 10. Um, can we just play the very beginning of this guy as he starts talking? Because I loved it. Just a slight warning. If you're eating breakfast. <laughs> I think my dog just woke up. <laughs> Sorry, it was squeaky. Like, it caught me off guard. Enthusiasm, is that what it is? Responding firefighters passed her blocks to stand on to reach a harness, which they used to pull her out of the poop vault. She was washed down and strongly encouraged to seek medical attention after being exposed to human waste, but she only wanted to leave, probably embarrassed, with a little bit of pink eye. I've been doing this for 40 years, and that was a first, Mr. Manley said. Can we talk about Mr. Manley's name? Because that's awesome. Yeah, Firefighter Manley. I'm a firefighter, and you can call me Mr. Manley. Is your phone worth it? Would you go? Oh, no. We're talking like the ones with a big hole in the ground, not like the little porta-potties with the blue juice. I think we're talking about like the big... I wouldn't even do the blue juice one. No. I need an upgrade anyway. I just use it as an excuse for that. Your iPhone 4 is worn out. (laughs) It's an 8. There's no way. No, you wouldn't go for it? Never. Like, I get it. It would suck. I would call the company and be like, look, my phone fell in. Like, fell in. If you can get it, great. Yeah, but um, are you going to use I, it afterwards? That's the thing. Like, Yeah, I don't think you could ever put that up against your face again and not think. That's the it. thing. You get yeah. breadcrumbs in those little speaker holes and mic holes. What else goes in there when you drop it in the toilet? Ooh. This is the Shift Podcast. One of the things that I worry about the most with my parents is phishing scams, emails, all the things that come in on the email. Now, with an email, you have, you know, technology, AI filters, spam filters, all of those things that weed out most of all of it. But every now and then you get one that sort of sneaks in. Uh, and I don't mean that because, you know, I'm, I'm nagging on old folks. I'm not. But I understand technology and email better than my mom and my dad do, hands down. I'm in my 40s. They're in their 70s. But what do you do when someone comes knocking at the door? When someone has character, a little charisma, and they come knocking at the door, and they've got a bit of a scam that they're running. So here on The Shift, we wanted to talk about the schemes, the Ponzi schemes. We wanted to talk about the pyramid schemes, all of these different things. And joining us to do that uh, is author of a book called A Ponzi-nomics. Robert Fitzpatrick is in North Carolina, and he joins us here on The Shift. Robert, thanks for being here. Happy to be here, Shane. Thank you for inviting me. Well, the uh, beginning question is, what is a pyramid scheme? But I want to start with one step before that. And who is Charles Ponzi? <laughs> Charles Ponzi was... Uh... Uh, infamous figure in history, 1920 was when he committed his crime. Uh, he created a, uh, a straightforward Ponzi scheme. We now call them Ponzi schemes because he called his scheme the Ponzi plan. So it, from thereafter, schemes like his took his name. It's precisely the same scheme that Bernard Madoff ran. He pro- he claimed to have a a way to generate a lot of profit, and he could 
share those profits with you if you invested your money with him. And uh, all he was actually doing was taking the money from the latest investors and giving it to the earlier ones to fulfill the promise he made to them. Now, the newer ones, he had to go find additional investors to fulfill his promise to them. So it's a robbing Peter to pay Paul. Uh, He did this in 1920. Uh, It has become a model for a fraud. It is a fraud. Of course, you can't keep adding more and more people. Unsustainable. And of course, he was lying. He didn't have any plan for making money other than this transfer, which he had to conceal. It seems like an awful lot of work, Robert. It seems like an awful lot of work. And hasn't this guy ever heard of passive income? Because this is not passive income. This is just nonstop swindling in order to uh, pay your way through. That's right. But again, remind you that Bernard Madoff was doing exactly the same thing for about 16 years. Wow. And he was the largest hedge fund on Wall Street. He was the president of NASDAQ at one point, highly yeah. respected figure. And he was doing exactly what Charles Ponzi was doing. He didn't even trade stocks. He just sent <laughs> out fake statements to his investors and then uh, was merely transferring money from later investors to newer ones, uh, to the earlier ones, rather. Yep. And yes, a lot of work. As you know, he eventually went to prison. His One of his poor sons, who was didn't know what he was doing, committed suicide. Another got cancer right after that and died and so on. So, yeah, it's, uh, why people do it, that's another story. But that's how it worked. Yeah. And we've seen, okay, so we've seen this graduate. I'm going to add on one more example, and that's the story about Quadriga CX, which is a Bitcoin digital currency scam that seems to have been exactly the same as the rest of them as well. You would go in and you would give this company your money to buy Bitcoin, and they would put in your account these credits, but they actually weren't buying you Bitcoin. So um, it's an amazing, and that one seems even more dangerous because the value of the Bitcoin keeps growing, which is mind blowing. So We have this one from the 20s, which absolutely disassembled many aristocratic families. Then we have this one with Madoff that just was um, affluent folks all over the place. Uh, We're talking like rich folks investing in this along with normal people. And then we have this Quadriga one, which was Bitcoin. So we've seen it kind of graduate from the very beginning to, you know, modern day history to literally the last couple of years. So... All those things being said, um, what is a pyramid scheme and, and what do we need to watch for? And are they the same or are they just similar? Similar, not the same, uh, fundamentally the same, but they operate differently. So they're both robbing Peter to pay Paul. Both are money transfers. Both are unsustainable. Both involve deception. Uh, in the case of the Ponzi, as in Charles Ponzi, Bernard Madoff, uh, there is a uh, concealment. I can't get your money uh, by telling you or letting you know how what I'm actually doing. I'm just transferring money. I have to tell you a fake story. Oh, I have this brilliant money-making plan. In the case of Madoff, a special method of trading stock. In the case of uh, Ponzi, he claimed to be trading posted coupons internationally, sort of leveraging differences in currency values. He wasn't doing that, actually, and neither was Madoff trading stocks. So they conceal, they make up a fake story, and what they're really doing is just transferring money. Now, in the pyramid scheme, when I join, I'm also told there is money to be made here, lots of money, unlimited money, in fact. However, incredibly, the story is not concealed, it's merely disguised. So the Ponzi, the pyramid scheme, it will be, if I get you into this, to my scheme, Shane, it will be up to you to bring in your new investors. From them, you're gonna make money, and then I will too. But then when you get them in, they will bring other people in, so it's an, an endless chain. Both are endless chains. The pyramid scheme, is presented as usually a business opportunity. And the business, what is the business? It's called direct selling sometimes or something like that. But in the end, 
It's merely a recruiting scheme. I have to get other people into the same scheme I'm in for me to make money and they will have to do the same. So same thing, endless chain, transferring money in one, the, the perpetrator orchestrates the recruitment of the new investors in the pyramid scheme. The investors themselves are induced to go out and find the new recruits. Okay, so this is, sounds really familiar to a lot of people because we've heard these things, right? Multi-level marketing, we've heard all of these different terms, that the MLMs that get tossed about. Some of these um, that are coming to my mind, and I don't want to defame anybody here because we just had a big piece on um, on the show about defamation last week that we learned a lot of things, but there are a lot of programs out there that include multi-level marketing and these kinds of things. Question one, is that the same? And B, I mean, a lot of people inside what I understand is a pyramid scheme, do make money. They just don't make ever make the big grand riches that are promised. So, you know, if people are looking for a little side hustle, they seem like perfect candidates to be hooked into um, make a little bit of money today with the promise of this big payoff down the road that never seems to come. Am I way off base with that? I, I would say you're partially off base. Uh, let's, let's start back at the beginning of why people get into these things, side hustle, extra cash. My God, now I'm speaking from the United States. Everybody's got three jobs down here. And uh, it's become the, the, the norm. Everybody's trying to make money. Salaries have declined terribly over the last 30 years. Pensions have gone away. Meanwhile, basic costs for health, education, housing, and everything have gone through the roof. Yeah, so everybody's working, 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 and looking yeah. for schemes, hustles, extra jobs. So that feeds this machine, makes people much more vulnerable because they need the money and they're going to have to find it somewhere. So, yes, that part is definitely true. But multi-level marketing schemes, pyramid schemes – and we don't have to really name any of them. I'll just speak of the model itself. Is presented exactly as you described. Extra money, side hustle, uh, additional money. Uh, possibly you could make bank. Possibly you could become very wealthy. But even if you don't, you're still going to come out. You know, you're going to make some. Ex that, that sounds pretty appealing today. The reality is really not that at all. And it doesn't take a lot to demonstrate why it couldn't be. First, what is the, the hustle? Selling stuff, door to door, person to person. What kind of stuff? Commodities, basically, cosmetics, beauty salon stuff, supplements that you would get in yeah. any health food store. Supplements seems to be a popular one. Yeah. So think about that now. You're from your home by yourself on your own. You're going to compete against Amazon all the retail stores, Costco, and if you have Costco in Canada, but giant big box stores. Oh, yeah, we do. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, you by yourself, you're going to compete against that. Who needs such a salesperson today? What would be their value that they would add? Do you right. have anything unique? No. So how do you make money? You don't really go out and sell it person to person. So how do you? Well, then they have this other way that they tell you can be you can make money. If I recruit you, I'm going to get some of your money. Now, if you can't sell and I can't sell, how am I getting money? Well, we have to buy it ourselves. So the scheme is really about enrolling other people and to participate in this chain, unlimited chain. You have to keep buying. You're not really selling. So it's a recruiting scheme. If it's a recruiting scheme, there's got to be a lot of people at the bottom for a few people at the top to make money. So in the end, it is really not true that the majority of people make a little. Actually, virtually nobody makes anything, but a few people at the very top make a lot. If you look at the data on, from the Direct Selling Association on Canada itself, according to that figure, uh, it works out to about average if you take in all the money they say people gained in multi in Canada and all the number of people that are in it, it works out to $17 a week before expenses. 
right? So before all your purchase and all your expenses, it's $17 US dollars a week. So that's not income. That's actually a loss after your expenses. I've looked at about 400 of these companies. I've examined the disclosure statements and court records of scores of them. And it always works out the same. A tiny little group at the very top making quite a lot of money, but virtually everybody else loses. They they don't actually earn a net income. So it's a scam is what you're really talking about here. It's a scam presented in a very attractive package, meeting a very vital need right now, extra income, additional yeah. income. But it's the same here in Canada. I mean, I mean, inflation on food is crazy. There's a there's some stats around some small towns in Canada. You have to understand and imagine mm-hmm. this. The average house price um, in Canada in some small towns is the same as Los Angeles. So um, you can't, you know, you'd like to think that, well, if I leave the big city and I go to a small town, I can afford a house. There are places in Canada where that doesn't make a difference. Um, you, It's a, you know, a million dollars for a small house in some places. It's mind blowing. So we are going through very much that. So the question that comes to me when you describe it that way, Robert, is that um, who is the actual customer here? And the way that it's sold to you is very scammy. But the actual customer is not really the customer on the end of the line. It's that person in the middle who gets sucked into buying product up front. You know, that's you get told that you're reselling it and you're allowed to resell it, but you are actually the customer because you're the one that's funding that other person. I mean, that to me seems to be one of the flags that we should probably look for. That's right. And that is a flag. Um, In all the years that I have worked at, looked at these companies and these schemes, I have never met one person that was able to show me that they earn sustainable income from just selling the product. And of course, it's it would be normal that they couldn't, that I wouldn't find any. How could you sell something that's a commodity when the company is pumping out more and more salespeople every day? There's no limit. You have no territory. You're creating your own competition. You're you're creating your own competitors every time you recruit somebody. So that is a a sham or a kind of front story. So then you get back to becoming the customer, as you said. But why are you the customer? Because, well, all of these schemes have a pay-to-play element. The first description of them is it's an endless chain. It's the only business on earth that is based on the endless chain that is My income will depend on my getting you and four others in. How do I get you in? I tell you, you can do the same. But as we know, if I got five in and then my five got 25, they could only go 13 more levels and you would pass the population of the earth. So it is the (laughs) definition of unsustainable. You can't keep adding people and it won't take going to the end of the earth It'll come really fast when you find, I can't even find five. And my five lasted two weeks and quit and got mad at me for getting them into this. But in order for me to get that mythical money at the end of this rainbow of this endless chain, I have to keep producing in uh, purchases every month. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's where the money is. So, yes, you're called a distributor. You're a customer. Yeah. You're not even a witting customer. You're an unwitting customer. You know what's neat about that is that it leads you to believe that you can you can hear the temptation, right? Hey, your uh, minimum to sell this month was $5,000. And so maybe you actually did sell $4,500, but you know now's the temptation. But if you only sell $5,000, you get to graduate to the next level. So now you're going to pre-purchase. I mean, sales guys do this all the time. They will pre-book. Uh, sales in order to get the boss off their back about making their budget. I mean, that's a sales tactic that salespeople do. I mean, last year you bought $100,000, so I'm going to buy you $100,000, spread it out, mark it as a tentative, right? So, I mean, so you can see the temptation there. So 500 more bucks. Well, tell you what, I'll just buy the extra 500 bucks. I make my budget, right? I make my target, and then all of a sudden I've got 500. So now my next budget is probably $10,000, but I actually have 10500 to make because I still got 500 bucks of the old stuff lying around. Yeah. Yeah. To me, this is one of the, one of the great tragedies of our times that millions of people are cannibalizing each other 
calling on their friends, neighbors, and family members to enter into an endless chain recruiting scheme. And we're calling this work. We're calling it income opportunity. We're calling it legitimate business. Mm, we're calling it a business. I'm a business owner. How a business look, owner. Look at the vanity. Step into that, right? It, it's beyond absurd. It's a deception on a level most people cannot imagine. In fact, I've written this repeatedly. MLM based, is based on what's called the big lie. It's a lie so audacious, the average person could not imagine it could be false. That is, that anyone would have, the, as they say, the impudence to make such a lie if it weren't true, to make such a statement. It's called the greatest income opportunity in the world. It said you can make unlimited income. It's called direct selling, which sounds so wholesome, so conventional. Well, it makes me think of like the old school door-to-door encyclopedia or vacuum salesman, right? But have you ever seen a multi-level marketing person knocking on doors like you used to in the 1950s? No. There's a good reason they don't go to the door. You'd probably get shot in the United States if you go up (laughs) unsolicited knocking on doors and nobody needs you. We're a little more patient in Canada than that. Yeah, that's good. You you might get some bad words. (laughs) Yeah. But nobody needs that. That's the point. Nobody's home. Nobody has time. It's it's, it's a mythical, it's like Ponzi's, I'm going to trade postage coupons or made off by my special trading scheme. You know what? It doesn't sound very far away from Robert is it doesn't sound very far from way away from the old mobster racket. Um, now that typically was around a front, like a money laundering front where you have, um, you know, a nail salon or a, a laundromat that does $4 million of business a year. Um, but, uh, and what you do is they're taking crime cash, they're inserting it into that and then they're washing it with income tax that way. But the so I, I don't mean it's the same, but really when you kind of think about a racket that is misleading, what's happening is not happening. The money's not going, coming or going where they say it's coming or going to. In principle, sounds kind of like a mob racket at the same time. I I say that word all the time, Shane's racket, because people ask me, well, if it's not a business, what is it? Well, it's a racket. It's a racket, and a racket. But in this case, it's one more thing. It's a cultic racket. If you get into one of these schemes, it is a delusional world. You have to enter it. You're told this can work, even though mathematically it's impossible. If you challenge it and say, how could it work? And who needs salespeople? Shane, anything is possible if you believe. You have to put aside doubts You have to stay away from people who are doubters. Those are the negative people. You have to dedicate yourself 100% to this and so on. It is a cultic movement based on delusional belief. But if they strip away that rhetoric underneath it, it's a recruiting scam, which is the definition of a racket. But by the way, since you mentioned money laundering, it should be noted and this is in the news, that the government of India has just prosecuted Amway of India, which is the largest of all multi-level marketing companies in the world and in India, for money laundering. And what the complaint states is the money is taken in through a pyramid scheme deceptively and then laundered as commissions and profits, and then comes back into the economy clean. The deception for getting the money, the losses of all the people who gave the money is washed away, and it appears as nice, clean money. Profit, profitable business. So it is a, an accurate, not, not a hyperbolic kind of way of looking or defamatory because the government of India has exactly come to a similar conclusion. It's a reasonable speculation or a way to approach or think of these things. It's The Shift. I'm Shane Hewitt. We are talking uh, MLM, Ponzi schemes, uh, pyramid schemes, all of those things centered on pyramid schemes uh, here with Robert Fitzpatrick. He's author of the book Ponzi-nomics. Uh, pick it up because if, you, if you're if you looking for side hustle, we're all feeling the squeeze. 
the cost of things, the price of gas, the price of diesel, the price of groceries. Oh, my. Um, and and we, we need money. I need money. I, I do. I, I need extra money. I, I Every single month, I write down the number of what extra I need to make it all work. So um, I want to be careful that I don't get sucked into this. And hopefully this will create this for you. We were talking before the break, Robert, about the culture of these things. I've heard anecdotes, stories from people about how if they... I mean, that's always the hook, right? Get in now because once you people below you, you know, pressure, pressure, because well, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to want to be in this. And the sooner you get in, the more money you make. We hear that. But the culture, I mean, we're talking big events. We're talking annual gatherings. We're talking big parties. We're talking get this far, get a free BMW, get this far, get a free Cadillac. We're talking um, all of those things. I've heard anecdotes of people sharing that they did make money. They were so pressured to set an example by living a lavish lifestyle with that money to set a good example for their recruits that they actually were pressured to spend all of the money and ended up with nothing, any, anything they did make, they were pressured by the organization to offload it so they could, you know, live the vain life and, and lead by example of how great and rich you'll be. Yeah, that's part of the delusional world that we're speaking about here. Uh, if you, what we've described, what I've described in the book, is a, a, a con, a scam. We called it a racket. I call it a racket, but it's done on a gigantic scale, and it's done right out in the open. There's an enormous political lobby in the United States Congress to protect these schemes. And the U.S. Department of Commerce and the U.S. State Department pressures other countries not to outlaw them or even investigate them. And I would argue that that's why Canada doesn't look into these things much because of U.S. government pressure on them. But uh, the point I'm making here is we're talking about a very large scale scheme racket and you can't do that. You can't bring that many people in, hold them in for most people last about a year or less in it. Some people stay in it for years and they lose a lot more without a major propaganda, a major method of controlling, dominating people's thinking. And ultimately, multi-level marketing is about shifting your thinking, getting control of your thinking, a form of mind control. And the way they do this is, first, they have to get you to accept the idea of the impossible, an endless chain actually working for everybody without causing loss to virtually everybody. Now, on paper, you can, in two minutes, show that cannot be possible. So how do I get you to believe it? I have to get you to disconnect from objective reality. I start by first not even talking about the business model. If I want to recruit you, I ask you, Shane, what do you want in life? What have you not gained yet in your life that you always dreamed of? What, what has disappointed you in your life so far? I'm going to shift you into now this dream world. I'm going to, and they call it a dream session. Now I'm going to tell you that this can work for you as it can for everybody. The guy on the stage claims it worked for him. And then I'm going to, when you still object, I'm going to tell you the reason you haven't achieved this incredible income as I have is you didn't think correctly. You didn't believe you were too negative. You had doubts. You did due diligence. You were a skeptic. You did research. None of those apply here. You took too long. You took too long. Yes. So now we're going to bring you into this new world in which anything is possible if you believe. And then after that, I'm going to tell you how to behave. So I'm going to start dominating your time, your behavior. I'm going to limit your information, and I'm going to play on your emotions. See, that gets scary to me because those are legitimate tactics to connect with people and inspire people. I mean, that this is where this gets so scary for me, Robert, because yeah, that's why it they, works. Well, because th- these people are taking the legitimate people that use uh, those words. And I'm a words language guy. I mean, that that's my core of everything. 
So when when you take all those pieces and you inspire people and you take the tactics of the legitimate people that will say, um, you know, you can change your life. The difference being is buy this from me versus a legitimate person will say, okay, now it's time to look in the mirror. How are you going to get there? Yeah, right? There's nothing right. to sell exactly. at, that, at that point, right? That's right. Hmm. I, I've used the example. Any You can tell anybody there are angels up there. That's okay. Anybody can believe in angels or not. But the day somebody sells you a feather from an angel, watch out. And that's what multi-level marketing does. It sells the example. feathers. It tells you, you can do anything. But not only that, and here's how, yeah. here's the plan. Yeah. And once you believe I can do anything and this is the way, then it's only from there they hone it down to where this is the only way you're going to succeed is right here. And you say, well, my wife, my husband, my spouse, they, they think I'm spending too much money. I'm spending too much time. They called it a pyramid scheme. You know, that might be what's holding you back. Maybe you shouldn't be around that person. Mm-hmm. Right. So pretty soon they start limiting your relationships and soon they really have total control. And I've met many, many, many families who have a member of their family who've been caught in these things. And they are, as they say, brainwashed. They are not connected to reality anymore. They are living in a deluded world. And that's a culture. You were talking about the culture of these schemes This is the culture. It is not just a financial scam. It is a cultic racket. And what they are really trying to get is your mind, your life, your soul. If they can do that, they can rob you for years. You will dedicate your time. You will give the company free labor. You will spend your money every month. You know, if you believe, if you have come, if you accept these arguments that they have given you, that the economy is going to hell, but this is the salvation. This is where the dream can still be realized. And in fact, it's the only place left. I want to take this into conversation around technology because in today's technology world, I mean, there are, I mean, Kajabi is a fantastic upsell program that you can subscribe to things and you get automatic emails and say, I go and I, I sign up to buy your book, right? And then um, then I, you know, six months from now, I might get an email that automatically says buy the next book. And, you know, there's amazing upsell programs and Kajabi is a fantastic platform to do that. But it seems like somebody could take that same idea and use it for evil so quickly. Um, subscribe to, come to my um, seminar. And, you know, here's the seminar and I deliver the seminar to you. You know, you have some big aha moment in your life. And then you get, you often get recruited at those things to say, well, bring your friends. Now, there's no more further sales pitch to you. They'll say, well, here's our next seminar. It might be pressure, but here's our next seminar. It's the next level. You know, would you like to be a part of it? So they use these attendees to recruit for them. I've seen it many times. And, but there is, there doesn't seem to be that. There's that no commitment part of buying something that you don't ever receive, right? I mean, if you sign up for the next seminar, you go to the next seminar. Maybe they don't deliver anything new and you don't like it, whatever. But those kinds of things seem to be out there in so many different ways. You see them all over Instagram. I mean, the biggest proliferator of this notion, as far as I can see, would be those constant upsells you see on Instagram. You know, sign up, give me your email address and uh, I'll give you my free digital book, which turns out to be a three-page PDF that you could have Googled and got the answers on, right? Yeah, right. But now they have your email address. So I, I see that this, it seems like in, in the new versions of this, affiliate marketing, it gets called like that. An affiliate, a true affiliate marketing might have a membership fee, but there's no expectation to buy. Somebody buys from you, you get your cut. I mean, true affiliate marketing is that. There's no... Right. pre-sale, but under the disguise of affiliate marketing and under the disguise of drop shipping today and under the disguise of you can be a public speaker, just sell your ebook and all of these things, it seems like a very fine line between um, subscri- bringing subscriptions into the world because subscription-based business is the largest growth business that we see right now. In fact, we just did a thing last week about iTunes celebrating the anniversary of iTunes. And it was 2003 was the year. And in that opening speech, when they delivered it, they said, you buy your song, song for song, it's 99 cents and um, no subscription fees. Well, take a look at what all the music services are today, right? Right. So um, it seems like such a fine line when we cross over to legitimate into the snake oil. 
And how do we tell what that is? Yeah, well, um, you know, I've defined this thing. It, it's truly not not as uh, uh, complex, and and I don't think it's is it's as vague as it might appear. First of all, we're talking about deception here, and we're talking about exploitation. So we know the data. Ninety nine percent of the people who get into multi level market, and this has been going on for year after year after year don't make a profit. So, you know, it's objectively verifiable that the promises made are false. That's looking at the back end of it. The front end of it, it is not just a generalized affiliation. You make some referrals. It's a very specific scheme with a very specific pay plan that is so complex you cannot understand it when they show you the charts and everything. And then if you do penetrate it, which I have had to do in these court cases, you see that the last person in, I get you in. Now you're the last one of this 200,000 person scheme to join. And I got you in. When you pay in, the majority of the money that you pay in doesn't come to me. It goes way up the chain to the top. So it is literally financially designed as a pyramid to transfer the majority of the money from the bottom directly to the top. So I identified four characteristics of it. The endless chain, which we've spoken about, we talked about you have to pay. The third is you have to recruit. And the fourth is the money transfer, which you most people don't see initially that when you pay, that money goes straight to the top. And that's why the guys at the top are rich. They are rich. And nobody else is even making a net income from it at all. And over time, that number just keeps piling up. Those few at the top, they make money in 20, 21, 22. Meanwhile, at the bottom, these people are churning, 50% quit. Another group comes in. So if you added up all the people that have joined one of these schemes over, let's say, a 10-year period, how many of them ever made a net profit? It would be a percent of 1%. Wow. That's the reality. So I don't think that's close to the schemes. Yeah, I know you're right. That provides a lot of clarity. This is a very distinct, identifiable racket that's running, and it's running right out in the open. And that's the hardest part for people after they listen to all this from our conversation, even if they call contact me directly, then they come back and they go, but if that's true, why hasn't the Competition Bureau of Canada shut it down? What about our members of parliament? How could, where's our, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, where are they in this thing? Why aren't they prosecuting this? And how could all these celebrities, sports stars, even clergy be endorsing these things at these events. Right. Well, it's good. that's that's the trouble. You know, they were yeah. talking about institutionalized scam here. Yeah, and, and you're creating space for. I think when when I created that that first example, and now you've created that, we've created the space where it starts to look legitimate, uh, where it is legitimate, right? And so, and how it becomes obvious that it's not. Um, yeah, there's, it's so fascinating. Ponzi-nomics is the book here. So when we look at what all this is, you know, there's the buy-in, there's vulnerable people, buy it up front, um, all of this money, I, it leaves me with this one thing that scares me as well. This is what I'm, it's occurring to me as we talk about this, Robert, is that when those people who leave, we, we talked about how I'm a business owner, feels great, vanity kicks in. Well, how about the opposite of vanity and shame? Uh, kicks in when it didn't work and all those friends you called and they might have signed up and now they've failed and you've failed and spent money and it cost me money and now I can't look you in the eye when I pass you in the street and the shame that comes in with all of that it must just be this cascade of people that don't want to admit it they don't want to report it to the police they don't want to do these things because I'm the loser who didn't make it work I screwed over my friends they lost money I lost money so on and so forth. So you can see how it almost perpetuates on the opposite end as well. Shame is a major part of this. Uh, if I recruit you and you come to the meeting, I get you told, got you to tell me what your dreams are, told you and got you thinking that this could do it. This could enable and unlock all those. 
But then I'm going to tell you one thing right at the front, and I'm going to repeat this over and over. It's only one reason you wouldn't succeed at this, Shane. It would be you quit because you didn't try hard enough. You were, no, let's not say it, you could be a loser type. That'd be the only way wow. you'd, you'd fail. So you hear this over and over again. You hear it stated powerfully, and then you're not making money. Mm. <laughs> Inevitably, you won't. And there you are. And you finally face, I can't keep spending this money. Uh, and you quit. Now, who do you go tell? Who do you go, if that holds in your mind? But I'm amazed today, I will say, in the last four years, five years, the silence is breaking. There's a 750,000 person subgroup on Reddit, anti-MLM. Huh. It's in the news. There are TV series, there are comedies, there are documentaries. Mm -hmm. On Netflix, the, documentaries. On Netflix. Yeah. I've been in two of them, the one about Herbalife and then another about this uh, company called Lula Row. It's uh, called Lula Rich is the, is the film. And there are others coming. So it's suddenly that shame business is not working. And people are saying, uh-uh, it wasn't me. I was deceived. I, mm. was, I was exploited. And I'm not going to let it happen to other people. And some people who are coming forward are the very ones who really bought in strongly. And they know they deceived other people. Yeah. And they want, yeah, they they want, want, to, they want to turn that around. It's time to clean it up, right? Um, I'm going to flip this whole thing on its ear and, and even go further and go into the bully tactics that are around this. And you often hear parents or folks today talk about bullying in school for kids. And uh, people say, oh, it's part of growing up and all those things. I mean, if you want to really look at the cause and effect of things like bullying, all of that, it's it's present in this, right? It is absolutely, I mean, the um, the the emotional um, harassment that's involved, uh, all those things. I mean, it's present here. So for anybody who says that those things don't matter, I, and we're not going to get into that part, but I'll say this is the cause and effect of situations like that, that we as adults, we still deal with things the same way that we did as kids, uh, as much as we'd like to think we don't, but we do. Well, a, and a scheme based on shame has made uh, bullying, because bullying is an intimidation, you know, it's mm -hmm. to humiliate yeah, and intimidate. In, intentional and repeated. Yeah. Yes. So... If the scheme is based upon that, then bullying becomes an art form and people feel perfectly justified who are believers to say, if I say, I think I can't do this anymore. It's not work. You know, Robert, I thought you cared about your family more than that. Wow. What about your son? You said you wanted him to go to Harvard, but, you know, he's not going to go to Harvard. He's going to go to community college yeah. because you're quitting now. Yeah. See. That's oh, the good, good parents point. sent their kids to Harvard. Yeah. Like, now you're not a good dad. That's right. Wow. I can feel I, it. When you just said that, I could feel it in my heart. Like those words, right? Um, you can feel it. This is absolutely fascinating. There's so much more we can dig into too. Um, let's just recap with those those pillars that you say, the, the pillar f things to watch out for, because I want to leave everybody with that. This has been a long conversation. So let's leave them with that. This is on the podcast as well. So it will be um, shared more and more and more. Let's leave them with the things to watch out for. And then I'll, I'll give out the book. Yeah. The, the first one is the endless chain. What's the source of this great income? Well, you recruit people who recruit other people and so on and unsustainable. And that's the first one. The second one is you pay, you're going to pay money. Say, well, I thought this was an income opportunity. Why am I paying here? I, I'm glad to do the work, but why am I having to keep paying? So pay to play and an endless chain. The next one is the recruiting element. I thought it was called direct selling. Why am I having to keep bringing other people in, in the same field I'm in? Why do I have to keep duplicating myself if this is sales? So there's a clue. It's not selling. It's recruiting. The recruiting is based on unsustainable endless chain and you keep paying. And the fourth element is where does the money go? I joined. Where does that money go? Well, if you look at their pay plan, it sends it directly to the top. So it's in what we call an extreme money transfer. And when you see one person at the top making enormous money and everybody else is begging and scra scrapping and trying that's built into this system. Those are the four elements of the of the scheme itself. And the other, of course, uh, is not of the four. It's the methodology, the language. Instead of telling you what's going on, 
they're trying to draw you into this other world. Instead of just saying, well, let's, let me explain how the business works. They start wanting you to confess what you want in life and so on. This whole idea of drawing you into this fictional uh, dream world, a fairy tale world where everything's possible and nothing is objectively true. It's all based on what you believe. Okay, the book is um, Ponzi-nomics, The Untold Story of Multi-Level Marketing. Uh, you can get it on Amazon, and you can get it all those places. You can get it for your Kindle and, and everything else. Um, I, good news is, is once you buy it, it's yours. You don't have to pay right. any further yeah. fees. Or you refer anybody. To, yeah, you don't have to refer any friends <laughs> or anything like that as well. Um, fascinating stuff, Robert. Thank you for all of your work, and thank you for sharing it with such clarity. And um, I do look forward to continuing this conversation by having it again down the road. Right. Uh, that would be pretty fantastic for me. And, um, and so... Uh, please do keep us in touch and let us know how things unfold for you because it's it's fascinating and it's incredibly important that what we do is we continue to share this with everybody so we make sure we don't miss anything because it does seem to be fundamentally the basics are the same but it is fluid and it's changing in front of everybody's eyes as we go. Exactly. Thank you, Shane. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.